Hello and welcome to Practicing English. My name is Mike Bilber, and these are podcasts for students of English at B1 or B2 levels, or IELTS from levels four to seven, or for those students who just want to improve their general English. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Practicing English. And today it's Friday again, so I'm continuing with the Tudor Conspiracy by M. A. Bilbra, and that is me. And if you want the transcript to this book, you will have to buy the book, which is available at any Amazon platform. And Today I'm reading chapter eight, which is the next chapter in this series of every Friday readings. If you read or listened to chapter seven, you will know that the woman from the Bodleian Library turned up in Stratford upon Avon, and it seems that she is interested in obtaining or getting hold of. The same Shakespeare play that Isabel and Philip are looking for. First of all, before I start Chapter Eight, I'm going to mention six words which appear, or you will hear in the text, and the idea is to try to identify them and the context where they are used as you're listening. For example, where, when, or Who says it or does it? So, the first word is fake. In fact, there are two words: fake and forgery. Fake is spelled F-A-K-E. You may have heard of that word in the news, because we hear of fake news, don't we? For example, which is used as an anglicism that means something then which is not real, so not genuine. A copy made to make people think. It is the original. So, in this case, we're talking about a manuscript, but it could be a painting as well, for example. The next one is a verb. It's one of those many verbs meaning to look or to see. This is to gaze, G-A-Z-E, and it means to look at something for a long time because you are interested or fascinated. To gaze, and the next one is to nod. N O D. It is a verb, and you nod your head, which means to move your head up and down. Usually, when you're saying yes, sometimes it may be used synonymously with saying yes. He nodded, meaning he was in agreement. He was saying yes. The next one is out of breath. Out of breath, b r e a t h, which means breathing quickly, because you have been running, for example, to be out of breath. The next one is a noun, and it is stain, spelt s t a i n, and a stain is a dirty mark on something, a dirty mark. 
stain. And the last one is takeaway. And that means it's a prepared meal that you buy in a shop and then eat in another place. For example, you take it home or perhaps you eat it in the street. So you take it away. And we call that a takeaway. Right, so that's the vocabulary to listen out for and in which context it's used, where, when or why. You can see the answers if you go to practicingenglish.com and you'll find the answers on the page for chapter 8 of the Tudor Conspiracy. Okay, so here we go. The Tudor Conspiracy by M. A. Bilber. This recording is copyright. Chapter 8 David Buddle. They did not have far to go. David Buddle, ancient manuscript authenticators, was about a hundred meters from the Dirty Duck pub and very close to the River Avon. Unsurprisingly, the premises were in an attractive half-timbered building like so many others in Stratford-upon-Avon. Isabel arrived at the door first, and Philip came just after her, very much out of breath. They both looked at the front door, the only door into the premises. It was locked, and there was no closed sign in the window. It's closed, said Philip. I don't believe it. We should have checked before we left Oxford. Perhaps they don't open on Friday afternoons. Or perhaps they've closed for lunch, suggested Isabel. It's two o'clock. Why is there no closed sign? I wonder if that means Jane doesn't have the quarto. On the other hand, perhaps it means she has got it. Perhaps she got here before they closed. Oh, no! Can I help you? Isabel and Philip turned. A young man in jeans, leather jacket, and with wavy black hair, was walking towards them. He was eating something that looked like fish and chips in a large piece of paper. Waiting for me, were you? Are you David Buddle? asked Isabel. Right, first time, he laughed, and they could see the contents of the meal in his mouth. Sorry, you must have thought I was closed. I just went out to get a spot of lunch and I got talking to a mate of mine, and I forgot the time. I must have been over an hour chatting, so I just grabbed a takeaway in the end. Have you been waiting long? You were away over an hour? asked Philip. David seemed annoyed. I said I'm sorry. To tell you the truth, we don't get many visitors. I mean, it's not a shoe shop, is it? No, no, I'm sorry, I, I wasn't complaining. Far from it, said Philip. 
We just wanted to know if you had had other visitors this morning, interrupted Isabel. A woman, perhaps? David looked surprised at the question. Then he smiled. Excuse me, he said jokingly, but this is a respectable establishment, and I'm a happily married man. He laughed. Then he pulled some keys from his back pocket with one hand, while balancing his fish and chips in the other. Coming in, he said, you can tell me your business. He unlocked the door and went inside. For a laboratory, the place was not very tidy. There were old books and manuscripts everywhere, on shelves, on chairs, on the windowsill, and even on the floor. There were the remains of what looked like previous takeaways on the top of piles of papers, and Isabel thought she could see half a sausage on a photocopier. Excuse the mess, said David. Can't find a good cleaner anywhere these days. He looked around for somewhere to leave his half-eaten fish and chips, found a large microscope, and placed his meal on top. He then wiped his hands on his jeans and asked, How can I help you folks? Philip thought it was his turn to make the introductions. My name is Philip Dowell. I'm the director of the Exhibition Centre at Shakespeare's Globe, and this is my associate, Isabel Gavira. Philip looked at Isabel and winked. Isabel wanted to interrupt, but he continued. This morning, we were in the Bodleian Library. We were looking for a quarto of a Shakespeare play, Henry VIII. Bodleian Reader Services said they had sent it to you for authenticity analysis. They suggested we might visit you as we want to ask some questions about it. There was a pause while David seemed to be thinking hard about which book they were referring to. Oh, right, that one. What about it? Well, could we see it, perhaps? asked Isabel. Yeah, I'll just dig it up. It's around here somewhere, replied David. And he began to look about the laboratory, turning over papers and opening and closing drawers. This went on for about a minute, and Isabel and Philip glanced at each other, worried looks on their faces. Bingo! David suddenly said, and he held up an untidy pile of yellowish papers. Here it is. He handed it to Isabel. Is this what you were looking for? Isabel stared at the quarto, holding it carefully in her two hands, and hardly believing that what she had in her possession was a 17th century antique printed in the times of the great William Shakespeare himself. Philip moved over beside her and looked too. Both were silent as they gazed. Eventually, Isabel was able to focus her eyes on the cover, which read in a beautiful script, 
The Famous History of the Life of King Henry VIII. Under that, it said, The Prologue. And then, Actus Primus, Senna Prima. Isabel looked up at David, who was now eating his takeaway again. May I open it? she asked. Sure, he said. Then he added, What do you do exactly? I'm a research student of English literature classics at Seville University, she answered. I see. So you don't know a lot about antique books, then? asked David. A little, she answered, thinking about what she had learned from Mr. Fanshawe. Okay, go ahead and open it, said David, as he put some greasy chips into his mouth. Isabel walked over to a table and found a space to put the book down. Then she looked up again at David. Do I need to wear gloves? she asked. Nah, you don't need gloves, David answered. Should I use tweezers? Isabel asked. No, that's not necessary either. Isabel looked at Philip, and Philip nodded. Isabel very carefully turned over the pages, and as she did so, she gently tried to separate each page with her thumb. The pages were very thin. It was obvious there were no other pages stuck between them. Then Isabel turned another page and looked incredulously. On one page there was a brown ring which looked like a coffee stain. Isabel began to dig into her knowledge of history and tried to remember whether people drank coffee in the 17th century. Or perhaps the stain occurred in a later century. At that moment, David leant over and pointed a chip towards the stain. That was me, he said, still chewing. I was having my breakfast and accidentally put my coffee mug down on that page. He did not seem particularly worried about what he had done. Isabel looked at David with a look of disbelief on her face. You mean you put your coffee mug on a 17th century quarto of a Shakespeare play? Oh, no, he said. What do you mean, no? Well, did you or didn't you? Isabel cried. David screwed up the empty paper that had contained his lunch and threw it across the room towards the waste paper basket. It went straight in. Look, love, he said, I was watching you and I can see you appreciate antique books, but I can also see you're no expert. I didn't and never would put my coffee mug down on a 17th century manuscript. I'm sorry to tell you, but that quarto is a fake. A what? said Isabel, looking across at Philip, and then back to David. A fake! A forgery! said David. It's not authentic. Look, love, I know I seem a bit disorganised, but I know my business, 
I've been working with the Bodleian Library now for over 12 years. I authenticate antique books. I run very meticulous tests on the paper, on the ink, on the binding, and I examine the written content too. I can carbon date the paper to know its age. I analyse the molecular structure of the paper, the ink, the glue or string. I can say where the paper came from and what the ink was made of. All those tests I ran on that quarto. Conclusion, it's a fake. There was a pause and Philip and Isabel exchanged looks. Well, said Philip eventually, how old is it? That's an interesting question, continued David. The ink in printing presses in the 17th century was made from natural sources like plants. Gutenberg, of course, was the inventor of these types of ink. But ink these days is synthetic. This ink, however, is made of linseed oil. That's a type of plant. The forger was very clever. So... How do you know it's a forgery? asked Isabel. Because of the age of the ink, said David. When I ran an analysis on its age, I found it was modern. Then there was the paper. That was clever work too by the forger. When somebody wants to make paper look old, they usually stain it with tea or something similar. But this paper was old, but not that old. How old? Philip asked. About 50 years old, David answered. I can even identify it by its molecular structure. It's just writing paper as they used to sell in W.H. Smith. Where? asked Isabel, looking confused. W.H. Smith is a stationery shop chain in the UK, answered Philip sadly. Then, continued David, there is a technique called distressing to make the paper look even older. It causes little tears in the paper around the edges. He applied that technique too. The forger obviously had access to a printing press to produce this document. It's because it was such a good forgery that the Bodleian experts were not able to detect anything wrong themselves. So they sent it to me. They sent me all antique acquisitions if they look genuine. Then Isabel spoke. David, we want to tell you the real reason we are interested in the Henry VIII Quarto. She looked at Philip for his reaction. Philip nodded. So Isabel continued. We have been sent to look for this quarto because, apparently, there is an undiscovered Shakespeare play inside. The play is called Elizabeth I. She looked at David, who was frowning. How could there be a play inside? he asked. In between the pages. Stuck in between them, she said. David came over to the quarto, picked it up 
opened it and turned over a few pages. Impossible, he said. I've analysed nearly every one of these pages under an electron microscope. There are no hidden pages here. I can promise you. Who told you that? Do you mind if we don't tell you? said Isabel. The person doesn't want his identity to be known. I'm afraid that person has sent you on a wild goose chase, said David. On a what? asked Isabel. Um, interrupted Philip, a wild goose chase is when you look for something that doesn't exist, and you just waste your time. The expression comes from Shakespeare, actually. Romeo and Juliet, said David. I didn't know that, said Isabel quietly. She looked down at the floor. I see, said Isabel. So it's over. She looked at Philip, and her expression showed she was obviously upset. It seemed that Mr. Fanshawe had got it all wrong. David was now standing with his back to them, looking out of the window. Perhaps he felt rather embarrassed at Isabel's display of emotion. We'd uh, better go, said Philip to David. David turned around. Thanks for all your time. You've been very helpful. Do we owe you anything for your services? David laughed. No, of course not. In fact, I'm going to give the little lady a present. He held out the quarto to Isabel. Here, love, would you like this? It might be a fake, but it's a beautiful fake. Isabel paused a while, then smiled. Yes, I would like it as a souvenir. But don't you need it? Surely you must return it to the Bodleian. Oh, don't worry about that, said David, waving his hand. I've got all the photos and data analysis I need. I'll just send them a report. They won't be interested in having a forgery sent back to them. Thank you, Isabel said, and she took the quarto. It is beautiful. She leant towards David and gave him a kiss on the cheek. David smiled. And sorry about the coffee stain, he said. David watched Isabel and Philip walk towards the river. He hoped they would be all right. That Isabel was a nice kid, really sweet. His gaze then wandered to the other side of the road. The car was still there. It had been there for over an hour. David then looked up and down the road. He must be there somewhere. Anyway, that was his problem now. I've done my part, he thought to himself. Just doing a favour for an old friend. Convincing, wasn't I? He turned and went back into his laboratory. And that's the end of chapter 8. Until next Friday. Mm -hmm.